Hello, Alyssa. You beat me to the punch again. <laughs> it's my new thing. I'll have to be faster. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll have to talk at the same time. Hello, Sarah, Alyssa. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. That's good. Do you want to know about body aches and pains yeah, and fatigue? Yeah, are you fatigue? still feeling tired? I'm still fatigued. <laughs> you know, life is like that. Oh, I'm good. I'm actually, I'm feeling good. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. good. Yeah. My, you know, my ankle is still the same. Still sore. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. No, no. Perhaps you should massage your gastrocnemius. Would you like me to do that for you? No. No, no. no. <laughs> you no. sound like every student I've ever had. Yeah, I know what that means. It's fine. Thank <laughs> and you. my husband Thank says the, the same thing. I respectfully decline. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know when I'm... My massage techniques are not wanted. That's okay. Actually, I'm going to think about that. Maybe I should take you up on that. Okay. Okay. How often do you have someone really offering to massage your gastrocnemius? That not often. Not often. No. In fact, my husband complains that I don't offer to him ever. I just constantly massage my students' gastrocnemius. Yeah. He feels rather thrown by the wayside. See, in this moment, I am considering whether or not I have the um, the permission to talk about my own partner right now in this moment. Oh, <laughs> you have the permission. Well, I'm... <laughs> Do I have his permission? Oh, I see. I <laughs> you weren't asking for mine. Yeah, yeah, no. Oh, bummer. No, no, no. But it's important, maybe... <laughs> To massage your partner's gastrocnemius? <laughs> is that where I'm going? We, with actually, you know what's interesting? This is this is actually a wonderful segue into a topic talking about partners, isn't it? It is. Because I think that what's important is to listen. Mm. And if your partner of any variety, any gender, any age, any time, married or unmarried, says, You never do that for me it's really important to listen to what that is. And sometimes I feel I've been in many a circumstance where I've been witness to that comment and, oh, it takes your breath away because you realize how many layers are below it, mm -hmm. how many you nevers are below that. And it's, it is really hard to hear because, you know, relationships are incredibly complex entities and they are, I remember many years ago, someone using this sweet metaphor saying, you know, a relationship is like a plant. If you don't water it, it won't grow. And if you completely ignore it and never water it, it'll die. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's very dramatic, but it's true. Mm -hmm. It's quite true. And I feel like a lot of the time when we think about relationships and ourselves in, in that uh, respect, we think about it from our perspective. So we think about, well, I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this and that's serving the relationship. But a lot of a successful relationship is listening, which is extremely hard to do because we're not always hearing what we want to hear. And I think that I, under many circumstances, I have to say within the paradigm of my own marriage, I... I think I've always been willing to take on the difficulty of marriage, the fact that marriage is a it's a partnership, it's a it's kind of like a contractual deal where you shake hands with another person that says, "You know what? We're going to do this for a very long time and we're going to call it forever and we are, may or may not raise children within it 
and we're going to have really hard times and they might be financially based, they might be family tragedy based, they might be personally based, they might just be changes in our hormonal structure or changes in the way we see the world and or injury based. I mean, there's just there's way, so many things that can uh, affect it. Sometimes it's actually environmental factors. Mm. It's the fact that, you know, people watch the 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 global warming and feel depressed about the future of the world and they they find themselves just get gradually more and more sad and before they know it it's affecting everything about the way they see the world and their partner and the use of you know various things you know what i mean and then little petty things like you always buy that product that's too double packaged becomes an issue and i i feel like that's it's certainly never been a um uh, I have to say that I, I don't listen very well when I'm filled with conviction. And I think that that's probably a common problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm all, I also don't listen very well when I am highly emotional because the emotions are so strong and so loud in my own head that my listening skills are deeply impaired. And my husband and I have definitely worked out a lot of issues over the years and particularly in the beginning of our relationship and we we developed our own recipe of how to best serve our temperaments and the way that we both have such um, explosive tempers and how we both go to our dark places very quickly and what that dark place is and ironically how hard it is for the other person to be the recipient of that dark place. So the way I act when I'm very angry is probably the worst button pusher for him and vice versa. Mm. So we learned that, uh, you know, and again, I'm sure that in couples counseling, there's sort of a recipe or a paradigm that will be brought up time and again. A lot of it has to do with listening and showing the person and letting them hear that you're listening by repeating back what they have said. But I don't really believe that there's a perfect recipe for relationships. I think it's different for each person. But I can say that it's work. All of it's work. And it's a willingness to work. And it's a willingness to recognize that sometimes the work's kind of ugly and dirty and sort of messy and won't uh, necessarily yield instantaneous pleasures and, and rewards. And that that's part of a long-term process and it it's part of accepting that if you want to in my opinion get involved in a committed relationship whether it be platonic or uh, romantic or I don't even like using that for marriage because romance is a to my estimation anyways is something more fleeting and I feel like it's also it's a little bit too heavily prioritized in our society. So I would like to say that if you're planning on being in a platonic relationship that is friendship alone and friendship is huge, then it is a different, um, slightly circumcised, circumscribed differently than it would be if you were involving a sexual nature as well, because that's a different vulnerability and also a different commitment and a different level of intimacy and also with uh, opposite genders can lead to a child. So it's a, it's a different recipe. However, both recipes need to be sorted out by the people involved in them. And that means that you'll probably end up butting your head up against a wall or, or, or butting your head up against an area where you feel as though you aren't heard and that you're repeating yourself again and that maybe you are recognizing that you're 
feeling a deep sense of insecurity or loss of self uh, in your interactions with this person. And I think at moments like that, it's really important to examine, is that me? Or is that because of of the way we're interacting? Or is that because I'm expecting that person to provide something for me and it's not coming? Or is that because that person used to provide something for me and it's no longer coming? There's so many, there's so many different paradigms. There really truly are. But I think that uh, as someone who has been in long-term relationships uh, that have been truly long-term and successful in that sense. When I say successful, I think people automatically think of roses every morning and, you know, massages on the gastroc and, um, you know, perfect dinners. That to me is not success. Success is, is staying together, is getting through those rough times and, and being able to be around uh, someone with love, even when you've seen them at their absolute most human ugliness of the insides and, and feeling loved for the same reason. So that's what I mean by successful. I think that it is a very huge undertaking to get involved with another human being that comes from a different family, which with intrinsically different values and customs and traditions and possibly ethnicities and possibly long reaching customs, possibly uh, financial background all of it has an effect on how we are and who we are. And then we get together and then we hopefully sort of achieve a certain modicum of success, but then we try to blend our friends. And then we run into more kerfuffles and we realize, oh, that friend doesn't like this friend or I don't like that friend at all. Does that mean I don't really like this about my own partner because they chose that friend? Or especially when people use the words such as best friend and you're looking at the best friend and you're thinking, ugh. <laughs> It does affect the way you see your your partner, right? Um, and then, then it gets even more complicated. Then everybody gets into the commitment part of things and, and celebrates either a marriage or a marriage ceremony or a commitment ceremony or just becomes committed. And, oh, sorry, that sounded like they were being committed to an institution. <laughs> well, I guess, oh, dear, that got really complicated because it is an institution. Uh, I meant uh, institution of marriage, right? Uh, what I meant was uh, that... Once you get into that realm where there's no longer the poss- the thought of possibility, well, we're just dating, it's transient, then oftentimes the ante goes up. I find that people with, with that sort of serious outlook on a relationship, I feel that it changes again. And then socializing within that paradigm becomes something different. And And I find that sometimes people, oh, maybe when they're still uncomfortable with having made something so serious of a commitment there's a lot of talk about singles and how singles are you know oh they're they're so rash or they're so this or I I think there's a diminishment of things that they are no longer Mm. and I find that brings up some weird bugs too within a relationship and I've been witness to these conversations like that as well which make me uncomfortable because when I say they make me uncomfortable they make me uncomfortable for the people involved because I just think oh my goodness Surely you feel the tension. Surely you feel the unspoken. Surely you wish it were spoken. But it's such a hard process and it shouldn't be done with an audience. So then the other aspect that comes into play is once you decide, if you decide to have children. And that is 
a really funny animal that comes into a relationship that can affect what you thought was the perfect, you know, when you have that perfect couple friend and you both decide to have children, whether it be exactly at the same time or just within, you know, one, two, three years, parenting is not the same across the board. And I know you and your life and your life experience have found that out time and again, because you have had the, let's say the privilege of being around so many little human beings and a caretaker position. Mm -hmm. And you can't help but notice, wow, this one's parented so differently than this one. And I having taught other human beings from a very young age uh, when I was teaching in my first 10 years of life I taught them as young as three and all the way up to adults I'm also wildly aware of how parenting affects all of us differently and then furthermore (laughs) to add to the mix I am now a parent and it makes sometimes it very difficult to maintain relationships with other people I think that when you do, I I can only speak from the female perspective. So when I gave birth, all the things that it's so funny, because it was my dad who was the most openly vocal about it. He said, everything will change, Sarah. It's because I was also a step parent at, at in the first stages of my relationship with my husband. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm parenting. I mean, it, it felt very much the same as, as what I had always done with my students, which was to take a very maternal, loving, caregiver, caretaker role. But my, my dad, would he would become almost a little bit um, impassioned in the sense that he really want me to understand it's so different when it's your own child. And I remember thinking, oh, you know, that's my dad being passionate again. It really did fall on deaf ears. I have to say I'm I'm sort of charmingly embarrassed by my own naivete to think that I I knew exactly what he was talking about. I didn't actually until I had a child. It is, it's chemical. It's, it's, it's animal nature and the stuff that went on inside my mind and my body was, I guess, untraceable in the sense I can't say exactly when it all came to be. I know that I've always had a ferocious protective nature about those that I care for and love. I always used it with my students, sometimes against their own parents. I've always used it with uh, my friends. I used to be, quote unquote, hired by my friends and I wasn't hired. No money was exchanged, but they would use me to screen their boyfriends. (laughs) <laughs> no joke. They would say, well, I would like you to meet my friend Sarah. And they would tell me, I want you to meet so-and-so and tell me what you think. So that protective nature and, and perhaps that awareness of human nature made me feel as though, well, I knew what it was like to be protective over another human being. But it's such a, ah, oh, it's so primal. <laughs> it's like something that wells up from deep within you and makes you momentarily insane at at certain moments where you know I can remember Kira being three and being at a playground and for some unspoken unknown reason another child about four decided to pick up some pea gravel and just throw it in her face and I snapped you know it's a child granted it's totally inappropriate behavior it's violent it's awful that their parent reacted in a very trivial poo-poo manner, Mm. which made it worse. Uh, But you don't think, well, that's a child. You think someone is hurting my... And the bearer Mm. that comes up within you. So I have to say that 
everyone's bear is different, just, I guess, a bit like a spirit animal. Our spirit animals are all different. And the way we speak to or think about or even believe in our spirit animals is different. And I have to say that my spirit animals, I think I can say they're all rather uh, bloodlusty predators. <laughs> I, I think I really feel comfortable with talking about wolves and bears. And uh, I'm sure I'm not the only mother on the planet or father for that matter. But uh, that those, yeah, really feel quite comfortable in my estimation of parenting and myself in those darker moments and then from those lighter moments even lighter moments you can interact with a, a fellow parent and realize wow we have absolutely nothing in common about how we want to react to uh, discipline how we want to react to teaching how we want to because here I'm just going to throw this in here the root word of discipline is to teach and a disciple is a teacher so who gives teachings and and many things have borrowed that you know religious teachings have said the disciples of Jesus and God and and such because they are passing on the teachings of that particular vein um somewhere along the line discipline got turned into when you say someone's bad and you give them a you eke out of punishment that teaches them not to ever do that again what a twisted world that turned into because the punishment generally was of the same variety. So if someone hit someone, you hit them back. If someone made someone feel bad and isolated them, you isolated them in their room and gave them a timeout. If someone yelled, you yell at them. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that, although in the moment of anger and heat, you're certainly not grading or thinking about them. But when you look at them in a moment of coolness, you think, oh my goodness, that just is unreasonable. So, I think that in my own parenting experience, I can say a, a, I can say many things for definite. I can say I had my child late. I had my daughter at 42. I was pregnant at 41 and a half, and I made those choices. And I can say that I'm blessed and very lucky that I was able to get pregnant at that later age and that she ended up 100% healthy without any worries of, of anything that would cause a threat to her well-being. I am so grateful for all of that. I decided to have her late because I wanted to wait until everything was right in my personal life, that everything was right with my husband, that everything was working well for both of us, and that I felt like I had poured enough of my more me nature into my career so that, that I could be the main focus and that my desires could be the main focus and that I would feel unresentful, not at all missing out on and totally ready to shift my focus mainly to my child. And I had an amazing pregnancy. I was, again, very grateful and lucky. I, I literally have never felt so healthy in my entire life. I had a, an adventuresome birth, birth experience. It was certainly not a breeze. It was a good solid 11 hours of, uh, yes, some fairly intense feelings. <laughs> I don't like saying pain, but yes, it was 100% pain. I skipped labor and went right to transition and apparently wanted to stay there for 11 hours, which from other people's stories and from my midwife's reckoning, that's A, not regular and not particularly desired. <laughs> so, so it was an adventure, but uh, my daughter Kira came out 
uh, splendidly early in the morning and of a much longer length and a heavier weight than everyone was expecting from the way she was sitting in my body. And from that moment on, it's just been this eye-opening, breathtaking away adventure of how this little human being that you know reasonably and scientifically is a part of you and your husband, but they seem like such a strange foreign little entity because they're so vulnerable and they're so we and they're so uh, pure and they're so smell good. <laughs> they do all these funny little faces. I, I, I know a lot of parents have voiced that they don't find their children very interesting until they start to talk. I never felt that way. I I have to say I, I probably am making a lot of people want to vomit right now, but I fell in love before she came out and uh, 100% when she came out. I also didn't want to know her gender. I, I feel like there's very few surprises left on the planet and that was another one I really wanted to, mm. to have and it was a complete surprise. I think by the time I was right up to the day I gave birth, which was 10 days after my due date, I had been convinced by various people that she was going to be a boy. Uh, one of them was my acupuncturist who said that the blood coursing through my veins was very male in its energy. And I laughed. I said, wow, have you met me? <laughs> if we're going to do those really archetypal, weird stereotypes about strength being male versus female, you know. So anyways, I feel as though uh, those things I can be definite about. I can say I also made a decision when I was in my 20s that I was going to homeschool whatever child I had whenever I had them. And so I, I am doing that. That's not a particularly popular opinion. Uh, I haven't yet been able to uh, find a niche within the homeschooling community because people tend to homeschool for different reasons than the reasons that I am. I also have found that my particular um, desire of having my daughter raised with I guess a, a democratic type of function with the understanding that her parents, both my husband and I, are her guides and we need to be treated as a respectful duo that are trying to help her through life. So even though she is going to rail against the universe and have temper tantrums, it's really important not to take them out on people. And, and we are usually the recipients of them. They're not usually directed at others, but obviously that would be a lesson across the board. And I think that in my parenting, I am quite positive that many people are taken aback at the fact that although I appear to be quite democratic and open-minded, there's certain things I am 100% firm about. And I know that there's been incidents where my daughter's with me in the studio and my students haven't heard this tone of voice because there's no necessity for them to hear it. And I will be saying no. And it's not it's not higher in volume. It's not angry, but it's just that tone where I can. it's funny. I can see all the students get that braced spine, you know, like they would with their own parents. And I, I want to smile and say, yeah, I'm a parent too. And the boundaries have to be different with your own child than they are with different children with someone else's children so I think that those are the only things I can speak to with definite uh oh, th those are 100% my experiences and I can be 100% definite about them as far as everything else goes I'm learning just like everyone else and I'm making mistakes just like everyone else and 
I really do believe in staying open to the learning experience as a parent, that there will be constant learning curves and the stages of childhood and youth and growing up are also varied and they happen at all different times. And if I was given the privilege of in this particular lifetime having two children, I would see that difference within my two children. Having just one, I even see it it's sometimes shockingly so. And I have to say that was a big thing that I had to absorb because I am not that adaptable by nature. And I got quite excited when I felt like I had fully secured everything that was going on within this particular stage. And then all of a sudden she'd, she'd change. I think, wait a second. <laughs> no, 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 no. You used to always go to sleep at this time and this is what you liked and, you know, et cetera. So I've really, um, I've really had to adapt uh, in a, in a, way way outside my comfort zone and I'm I'm really enjoying that because it's a growing experience for me I feel like it's helping me evolve to be a better human being and a bigger human being uh certainly more patient because that's what adaptability leads to uh homeschooling is unbelievably rewarding unbelievably uh special and incredibly difficult and I won't say differently to anybody else they you know a lot of people when they find out they the first things out of their mouth is oh my goodness you must be so patient and I understand why they say that because the first thought if you're a parent is you understand patience is a is a very very difficult thing to maintain as a parent because we all get tired we all have something go on in our day that maybe throws us off maybe it's a job maybe it's a mate maybe it's just a circumstance at Starbucks lineup or driving or whatever it is and that patience when it's lost does create often more more of a situation that needs to happen with with you know infractions or difficulties in the family structure in the case of schooling um am I patient I try to be, and I think that I try to, in the moments where it is just purely about schooling and not about understanding how my my daughter is absorbing the schooling, but just about the actual schooling itself, I try to deliver it like I would deliver a ballet class or a contemporary class or a piece of choreography, keeping in mind that everyone learns at a different pace, understands differently, trying to create different ways of expressing it so that I can see that that time taking that time to articulate is allowing people to absorb it differently am i always patient in how it is absorbed no absolutely not i'm i'm just as flawed as anybody and and i've had to go through a lot of self-discovery and and self-loathing about the fact that you can't help but imprint your own ego on your child and the expectations that your own ego creates in yourself and how you experience things so thereby surely they'll experience it in the same way and when you have a child in a school system you go through that yes as well but about other things and usually more social and usually um less um less regularly and less consistently and less in your face because they come up in more intermittent intervals. But because I am the school system, I am watching all of that transpire. And then also the social interactions and the, you know, the way she describes herself, etc. So it has been um, a wonderful lesson and a time of growth, personal growth for me to recognize how I have to let go of that and how 
I probably have to redo it every single day and just remember this is a different human being and a splendidly different human being and honor that and recognize that it's going to be hard and some things will be more difficult than others. And that's also where along the lines I've had a lot of really wonderful uh, cooperation and you, you know that phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. I talk about that a lot with a lot of different people. And I have a lot of dear friends who have collaborated with me in ways of teaching various aspects of Kira's education. Mm. And I'm so grateful to them because it has been really helpful to have the, the many different viewpoints. And some of them are from a professional perspective. They're teachers within a school system. Some of them are private tutors. Uh, some of them are just people that are expressing opinions, which is also wonderful. And some of them are parents that are expressing opinions. And in every single moment, I just put it away as though I've got this great big reference book that I can look at. And I also do a lot of reading as well. Because I like that phrase, it takes a village to raise a child, but I don't necessarily like the way it's bandied about. And I've had it actually thrown at me on a couple of uh, incidents in a couple of incidents where I feel as though the person was basically trying to say to me you're trying to have too much control over your parenting and you're trying too hard to um, I guess control your daughter's learning experience and outcome etc and again always respect everyone's got an opinion and that's fine we can differ in opinions but when I hear that I think that's interesting because all I'm doing is I'm choosing the places where she goes to the village. So rather than, I'm not locking her up in a tower and saying, I will be your only knowledge. <laughs> you will only ever experience me. Um, I am choosing different areas in which I know that the person be they young like yourself, who's also honored me so many times by spending time with my daughter, uh, many different older friends that she's had as a young child, also teachers, also within the dance world teachers, also outside the dance world, also science courses. I just choose them. Swimming lessons, I just choose them. Uh, I, I'm not, if, if the teacher isn't working out, it's not like one of those circumstances where I breeze in and say, oh, Fifi will no longer you know, be in this class because I don't like you. The, the course of events is is followed through. I'm close by. If, I, if the teacher's not working out in a negative, violent or, or harmful way, I would 100% intervene. But if it's just somebody that I feel like, ah, that's not efficacious teaching uh, or it's, it's too distracted or it's whatever it is, I just won't repeat the experience. But we always follow through with the experience because even in a bad experience, we're learning good things about ourselves and just how you take it in. So for me, parenting, I think, is 50% learning for the parent and 50% learning for the child. And it is a constant um, humbling event and it is a constant celebration. And it is a lot of, it, you have to have such a good sense of humor to get through the day's consistently I think and both my husband and I really do have a great sense of humor and our daughter is quite quirkily humorous and we do a lot of laughing and ironically there was a lot of laughter in my childhood home as well mm. and it really does set a tone for 
understanding that even though we're all wildly different and we all might have incredibly uh, formed and maybe even cemented personalities that we bring to the table that we're trying to blend or viewpoints that we're trying to blend or perspectives, we can still share laughter. And in sharing laughter, we're all human in the moment. And that tends to soften and ameliorate those other situations, I find. And I feel that it also... I feel like sometimes it's so easy to just be too serious about everything. And I'm speaking from personal experience because I am a serious person. I tend to take things that mean a lot to me very seriously. And parenting would be probably at the top of my my scale. And I I love reminding myself just with the daily laughter that, you know what, this is part of it. And you're not being a less, uh, I don't know, applied or important person to this child by laughing and, and enjoying a silly moment. And I don't know why I have to even talk to myself that way, but I do. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I think the, the biggest thing that I've learned with parenting is I thought I had been humbled 100% with just growing up as far as I had grown up to 42 years of age. And I thought that I had already fully recognized all my flaws and my faults. And I thought that I was really comfortable knowing my limitations. Oh, well, I have had one, <laughs> one lesson after another. And, and it's all good. It's, it's, when I say it's all good, it's all part of the journey. And realistically, we're doing it together. My husband and I are doing it together, and we're doing it with our daughter. And she's going to do it with us as she grows older and older. And then hopefully, the lessons we've all learned together resonate and sit on her in a way that she takes ownership of them. They empower her to go off into the world to be whatever she needs to be. And although I like to believe and think and hope that to some small level I've contributed to the students I've had in my life in that way to empower and say, this is for you. This is not mine that I want you to then you know, give back to me. I I know that it's a lot of a lot of people that I've worked with and for will say, well, you know, it's all of us contributing to the success of this student. And I remember when I was younger, I would kind of get bothered by that because maybe the all of us that were being spoken of were not were so not well blended, and we didn't have things in common. But that in itself is contributing to that person's success and growth because that person has to navigate us, navigate this potpourri of humanity that's also different and how are they going to work their way around it. So I feel like that's part of parenting. And and I feel like that's what people mean when they say, oh, it takes a village to raise a child is, is that, you know, in the in this world where parents either choose to or have to in their minds both work and their child goes off to daycares and and out of school care situations or nannies or babysitters and and schools of you know whatever variety and they spend eight hours away from their parents i know their parents desire and hope in that time period is is that their child is navigating those waters because they are loved and they are cared for at home and they are learning many many tools of survival and you know, and and I'm not saying this in a negative uh, way, in a blanket statement, but in an ideal world, that's what's happening. 
it isn't always happening, unfortunately. And as far too much information has been brought to the light about what many children aren't, the unspoken, what they aren't telling everyone. Um, but I think that in, in good situations, it is happening. And I am trying to do the same thing for my daughter. It's just a, di it's just a different model than other people are using. And we all, I believe that every parent is trying their very best. I choose to believe that. Of course, there are people that abuse that notion and, and aren't. Uh, but I, I think they're quite few and far between, and the rest of us are all trying to do our very best. And of course, because we're all so wildly different, that very best will look very different for each person. But you have to remember that it looks very different from the child's perspective as well, because the child comes from that very different person from you, right? So I, I know that my, my passions run deep and strong and sometimes probably quite... Um, maybe even apolitical in in the way that I really express if someone asks me personally why are you doing or why do you do I will express from the depth of my soul why I'm making this parenting choice or why my husband and I have chosen to make this parenting choice but I don't talk about it just readily and openly all the time because I know that a lot of them are quite different. And I know I don't want anyone to feel alienated or judged because I'm not. And that's a, I think that that's a thing to remember as well is, is that we all don't want to be judged from the outside world as to how we are living our lives or how we are parenting or how we are being in love or how we're being in a marriage. So remember that when you're turning around and looking at someone else and deriding or judging them. And... I, I've had a lot of practice with other people's children, which has been very helpful. And when I say I've had a lot of practice, I've had a lot of practice in accepting. I've had a lot of practice in learning and absorbing and organizing the thoughts of how this particular human being is going to go about things quite differently than maybe a way I'd like them to go about it or maybe a way I would have tried to help them go about it, but to accept it nonetheless, because it's not my child. And even having a child now, even when you're guiding and you're giving and you're um, setting out a certain path for them to follow, they will follow it their own way. And that's part of the acceptance again. And I th that's what I mean when I've had the practice. I think that that really has helped. So when parents look at me and say, oh, wow, you're so patient, I could never do what you do, I think to myself, well... I, I've had so much practice in, in absorbing, accepting, and taking in a lot of what wasn't my favorite, let's put it that way, with other people's children, that when it comes to my own accepting the, this is not my favorite, it's just more of the same. And, and I'm, I'm grateful for that, because it, it, it is very hard. It, it would, I think sometimes people, if we all confess to a truth, we might all confess to the fact that it'd be really nice if sometimes everybody just did things the way we wanted them to do them. <laughs> and if they just shushed about it. <laughs> because we would be really happy with that. And that would make us very comfortable and calm. Uh, but of course, that's not the way human nature is. And we are, after all, raising humans. We aren't raising carbon copies. We aren't raising uh, perfect little replicas of ourselves. I hope, uh, and we aren't trying to. We are raising human beings, and human beings are these 
fascinating, interesting amalgamations of nature versus nurture, cellular structure, genetic makeup, uh, particular opinions and bents that come on. At a, when children are given the freedom to express them at a young age, you find out they actually have some very strong opinions at a very young age. And and if they're if they're allowed free reign and not told that that's inappropriate or you shouldn't express that because that's so different from mommy and daddy or granny or whatever um or what we believe in as a as a wider belief system i i think they really can be quite fascinatingly interesting people but they that doesn't mean that they get to go around stomping on other people's opinions that's also a part of the lesson there's so much there's so many facets to parenting and it's i i guess basically i equate it with having a marriage and a relationship it's work it's incredibly rewarding lifelong fascinating fascinating constantly reciprocal beautiful work but it is work nonetheless i'm incredibly happy i embarked on it and feel very lucky that i was able to because i was not 100 percent sure you know one doesn't know when you wait that long to have a child and you haven't tried beforehand there's always that question well what happens if I can't and what will I do and what does that mean to me and at the same time I do want to segue into saying that people that make the choices not to have children I admire just the same as people that make the choices to have children because there are a lot of unwanted children on the planet and there are a lot of parents that I think have had children out of more of a sense of obligation and propriety and um, appropriate marriage-related behavior. And it's not necessarily, in my eyes, possibly the best situation for anyone that's in that, that particular setup. And if, you know, two people get together and they say, you know what, I, I love being with you and I'd love to spend, I think, the rest of our lives together. And, and they choose, again, whatever model of being together forever that they want, I think that they should really choose how they do that. And if they don't feel like they want to have children, don't have children. It's not a it's not a cakewalk and it's not it's not even a guarantee. I mean, you have no idea how that child is going to turn out. You have no idea what the birth process is going to be. You have no idea what's going to happen. You have no idea about your health, their health. You have no idea. So take it on judiciously and wisely and with a completely open heart and be prepared for a lot of work and be prepared for an amazing amount of rewards as well, if those are the type of rewards you want. But if you don't, if you see a different life path, happily take it, never feel embarrassed or apologetic about it. Because quite honestly, the world needs more people that do things truly from their heart, then I think there'd be less, there'd be less strife, there'd be less conflict, and there'd be a lot less uh, unhappy situations. Whew, that was deep. <laughs> and exhausting. I think this is a perfect time to curtail the conversation. Thank you for that, Sarah. You're very welcome. I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. <laughs>